Sound. Sound. Music. Acoustic. Noise. Sound. I have a favorite sound, I think. Sounds. Ultrasonic. How they listen. Just a little boop. The one place where it sounds the best. You're listening to Sound, sound Matters. <laughs> You're listening to Sound Matters, a podcast about sound and things that matter. My name is Tim Hinman, and this podcast is made possible by B&O Play. This is the start of a whole new season of Sound Matters. Eight new shows, actually. The title of this show is Songs for Your Brain, Lungs and Legs. And, yeah, that title's going to take some explanation. So let me begin. I've always been pretty bad at sport. I never won a sport thing in my life. Never won a running race, any medals at football, any swimming events. I never really got picked for the school team in anything, really. But why am I telling you all this? Well, it's because these days I spend an hour or two every week sweating and wheezing on a machine that measures my calorie burn and heartbeat step by sweaty step as I try to maintain some sort of level of physical fitness. You can hear me in the background there, that's me running on a treadmill. And I'm fine with that really, I just do exercise to keep fit. But here's the thing I've noticed. When I do this exercise I find it roughly the most boring thing I've ever done. Walking and running on a treadmill to nowhere in an ugly fitness center surrounded by other sweaty people in too tight sweatpants. So for me, and by the look of it almost all of the other people doing the same thing, there is only one thing that really helps make it okay. That thing is putting on some headphones and listening to some loud music. Now at first I did this just to have something to listen to. But then I noticed pretty much straight away that when I listen to music while doing pointless exercise, I actually get better at it. I perform better, I get tired slower, and I can run faster. And that got me thinking. How is it possible that putting a sound in your ears makes your legs, heart and lungs work better? What's going on here? If I stick the right soundtrack on, I can just keep on running, get into the music and even imagine myself in, say, Rio at the Olympics in 2016. In this episode of Sound Matters, we're going to be hearing from some real athletes. Find out if the effect of music on their physical performance is the same for them as it is for the rest of us. Ladies and gentlemen, the Olympic flame even if they are the very best of the best, competing at the Olympic Games in Rio. I don't think I could race without it. I, I don't think I could do what I do without it. Um, this gets me in a combative kind of state. When my favorite song comes on when I'm at practice, you know, I feel loose, I feel athletic and agile, and there's just some fluidity to my movement. Whenever it's time for me to uh, get focused, I have little songs that I know and memorize keep me focused. It makes me and my head also sharp. Okay, this is now, now it's business time. As usual on Sound Matters, I have sought professional help. One man who knows much more than most on this subject 
is Dr. Costas Karagiorgis. My name is Dr. Costas Karagiorgis. I'm a reader in sports psychology at Brunel University, London. And for the last 25 years or so, I've been researching the psychological and psychophysical effects of music in the domain of sport and exercise. Dr. Karagiorgis has recently published a book on this subject called Applying Music in Exercise and Sport. But he's been looking into this subject for, well, most of his life. I grew up with my extended family just above a second-hand record store that also sold uh, large speakers. Um, and thus every morning, rather than being awoken by the chirp of birdsong or the sun breaking gently through the net curtains, there would be this stuttering and juddering bass that would oust me out of bed. And uh, as I would wipe my sleepy eyes, I'd look out of the window and notice how, as passers-by came within earshot of the music, it would put a lilt in their step. Their physiognomy, their facial expressions would change, and it set the auditory background for everything that took place in my neighbourhood. To cut a long story short, a few decades down the line, and Dr. Karagiorgis spends his time using scientific method to figure out what it is that put that lilt in the step of those passers-by and how much music affects us physically. The thing about music is that it has an immediate and direct effect on the affective areas of the brain. It doesn't need a great deal of processing in the higher cortex in order to have this emotional effect. In terms of what's happening inside, there is a a mechanism known as entrainment. And this is where bodily pulses, such as brain waves, heartbeat, breathing rates, and even our movement rate, synchronizes with the rhythmical qualities of a track. So we can modulate and change people's internal states through changes in musical rhythm. This is one of the fundamental principles that underlies one's responsivity to music. You're being modulated right now. The rhythm that you can hear behind you is going in your ears and going into your brain. Your brain is actually going to try and time your own heartbeat, your own footsteps and everything else you do to this music. Of course, the more you concentrate, the better that will get. There's a subconscious action going on and there's also something you can contribute yourself by consciously trying to time your movement and your breathing with this music. So, as they say in the sports world, let's do this. Let's break apart the component parts of this process and find out what is actually going on here. If you're going out for a run, you don't want to be listening to a funeral march. <laughs> That's going to be quite off-putting. And so, once you get into the belly of your workout and you're perhaps doing a cardiovascular burst of exercise at quite a high intensity. Ideally, you'll want the music to be between around 130 and 140 BPM. Maybe size Gangnam style would be just right if you're working at that sort of intensity. You don't want uh, changes in time signature or accelerandos and rallentandos, as happens, for example, in much progressive rock. 
Um, if you listen to the music of, say, U2, you will notice that they will play with time, that the tempo will not be rigorous and rigid. So try to find pieces of music that are fairly constant in terms of their pulse or meter, particularly when you want to use music in a synchronous mode. Come on now, people, time to feel the burn. Disco marching music will get you pumped. If you're using uh, a waltz rhythm, it's not going to work very well. Or if you're using a 5-4 rhythm, again, <laughs> you're going to be out of sorts. Um, but if you find a disco rhythm or a march rhythm, then uh, it could work extremely effectively. So music isn't always a good thing. And one person's noise can be another person's music. Hmm. Obviously, this is not as simple as it might sound at first. I mentioned Rio and professional athletes before. Dr. Karagiorgis has investigated the performance of elite sportsmen and women. The thing to remember is that in the highest echelons of sport, you realize immediately that the physical and the tactical and technical differences between athletes are minuscule. At the top level of competition, margins of milliseconds or millimeters can often measure the distance between gold medals and last place. It's time to head to Rio to meet some real competitors, the fittest and best performers on the planet. Everything that I do has a rhythm to it. This is Tyrone Smith. Hi, my name is Tyrone Smith, and uh, I compete for the island nation of Bermuda um, in the event of the long jump, so track and field athletics. So, is music useful as a part of training for track and field? There's two really good reasons to listen to music when you're getting ready for a competition or training. Uh, one can be what everyone would expect, you know, to get you amped, to get you excited, to get the get you focused and the energy and sometimes I call it an attitude. I want a little bit of a swagger that I might need. Um, just gets me in a combative kind of state. Uh, but the other side of that coin is sometimes you need it to calm you down. Sometimes you need to bring you back down to an even field or even plane because again if you get too too excited then it's it's gonna be detrimental to how far you can you can jump. So yes, music is an important part of training and competing. But for a long jumper what is the most important thing? For me and for long jumpers, I expect, uh, in general, rhythm is, is incredibly important. Um, the event is a, is a rhythmic event, and a lot of people don't realize that. They think it's just, you're just running as fast as you can and, and jumping. But it's a, it's, you're running as fast as you can controlled, and it's hard to remember what that is unless you have a rhythm associated with that, that pace, that tempo. It's an acceleration rhythm, you know, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, and, and then jump. And the, the better I count, the, the further I jump. The better he counts, the longer he jumps. So far, so good. Let's hear from another track and field competitor, David Adley Smith, a high jumper, this time competing for Puerto Rico. I'm a high jumper for Puerto Rico. Like if I'm uh, trying to focus on uh, working on my last three steps to the bar, I'll, uh, 
I'll have a fast, uh, a fast tempo in my head that matches with the song. So if I if I need something that goes, you know, ba ba ba, I might have a fast maybe hip hop beat or something like that in my head. A fast hip-hop beat and David Adley Smith II can manage a personal best of 2 meters 29 in the high jump. But music is, of course, much more than just a beat. Back to Costas Karagiorgis. The harmonic qualities of music are key. Fairly bright, happy, major harmonies. It seems to be that the major tonal center is seminal in terms of engendering the kind of mindset that people need to perform at their best in exercise. The other thing that is very salient about this whole area is the import of lyrics and how lyrics can influence the mindset, such as, I like to move it, run to the beat, let's get physical, search for the hero inside yourself, Ain't no mountain high enough. Reach for the stars. <laughs> Whatever it might be. Perhaps also not surprising. Slow, sad songs do not make for a good performance, it seems. Happy, upbeat, energetic music, and we're all on our way to the very top. So there's a lot going on in the brain when you're listening to an inspiring track, and it's, uh, it's generating all manner of uh, heroic imagery. A lot is going on inside your brain when you listen to music, says Dr. Cara Georges. But exactly how personal this experience gets is harder to judge. The music in your headphones is sometimes so much more than just music. It connects you to a frame of mind, an image, a memory, something. Something that helps you drive yourself just that little bit harder. This is Chloe Daggett, who's just won a silver medal in Rio. Uh, so my name is Chloe Daggett. I'm um, a track cyclist uh, in the women's team pursuit. I got a silver medal last night with the, the team. When I was little, my dad, he was a boxer. Um, so he showed me the movie Rocky. And uh, I mean, I just fell in love. Like I, I could watch Rocky every day, all day, you know? Um, ever since I was a kid, I can remember in elementary school, uh, you know, my mile run that doesn't even matter. You know, I, I listened to Eye of the Tiger. The feeling it gave me, like even thinking about it, it just gives me chills. It's, it's, been, it's been my song for as long as I can remember. And yesterday on the start line, uh, going up against GB, I remember playing over in my head Rocky IV when the trainer is telling Rocky, all your street all your power, all your will, or you know, whatever he said, but it's just, it's going over in my head, and I the tiger, it's just, it gets my body fresh, you know, it just gives me fresh legs, fresh mind, everything, and it's just, it's amazing. You hear the track and you associate it with the protagonist, Rocky Balboa, striving for glory, overcoming adversity, and that vision conjures internal images of success. It's not a particularly fast track, I think it's around 112 BPM, but those stabs that come at you like, like punches initially, the inspirational nature of the lyric, the fact that Sylvester Stallone commissioned Survivor to write it for the movie, and how 
it was written with its eventual usage in mind, probably make it the ultimate workout song of all time. The ultimate workout song of all time. Maybe. Chances are something else will work for you. Something that connects to your personal story. Something that works for your personal mindset. Anyway, it's time for a breather. Time to calm down again. When it comes to getting pumped up, I mean, it's just really easy. You know, you can find so many songs that are just made with adrenaline and uh, hip hop and, and like alternative rock music and, and, and like um, dance hall, which, you know, being from Bermuda, got a lot of love dance hall and, and reggaeton and all that. So you can find so many. You can make an endless playlist of hype songs. So um, for me, finding the calm songs are the is actually harder because you don't want something that's too emotional. <laughs> we know from research that in an Olympic final, more than 90% of athletes will experience anxiety. For some, it can be crippling, absolutely devastating. I kind of stare off into space. I look straight ahead. I get very, very in-depth with what I see in my head, visualizing it. And then what happens is you start hearing the sounds in your head. You hear that sound where it goes, bop, 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 bop. After that, it's like you just see yourself floating over the bar and it's like you just at a surreal point because it's like, kind of like you're there at the track, but you're in your head at the same time. It seems that music helps induce a range of mental states needed for peak performance, from the rush and power of adrenaline to the calming effects needed to bring focus and concentration. Get your mental state right and you might just come home with a medal. I remember a few years back when I was training to become a sports psychologist, I was fortunate enough to work with one of the best in the business, Professor Peter Terry. And Peter has been to several Olympic Games. In 1998, he was consultant psychologist to the British bobsleigh team in Nagano. And he came up with a cunning plan. Nagano would be the British bobsleigh team's one moment in time. I think it was their best chance of a medal for some 26 years. Every day as the team approached the bobsleigh run, he would pop on Whitney Houston's One Moment in Time and just get the athletes to close their eyes and think about what could be. On the final day of competition, the four-man British bobsleigh team won a bronze medal in the tightest of runoffs. Anecdotally, they put their success down to the fact that Peter had somehow allowed them to attain that optimal mindset.
Now, the key to success of this particular track was that it was, of course, an Olympic anthem. It was commissioned for the Seoul Olympics in 1988, and Whitney Houston produced it specifically for the Games. So there was already a very strong extra musical association. Extra musical association. The full set of conditions that might make one song give you superhuman abilities, even if only for one race, one jump or one throw. But that still doesn't explain the mechanics of this effect. The physical things going on inside the rest of your body. When music has tuned the mind to do the best it can. Our bodies also create sounds. We call these interoceptive cues. These are the messages that go from the organs and the musculature to tell our central processing system that it's time to slow down, otherwise you're going to do yourself serious harm. So, you know, typified by thumping of the lungs, the, the beating heart, deep breathing. We need to be tuned into these sounds and, and into these feelings. You need to be tuned into that feeling of sheer pain in your legs and lungs when you just can't run another step. Or do you? The interesting thing is that music can reduce our focus on these interoceptive cues. And the afferent nervous system that sends messages from our vital organs and our musculature to the brain is limited in its capacity to send information upwards. And so with music, we absorb some of the capacity of this afferent system, which means that relatively harmful interoceptive cues, such as pain in the muscles or the beating heart, is dampened slightly, meaning that you have slightly more staying power. You have a reduction in perceived exertion. For me, that music, it just, just drains everything out of my body that's not supposed to be in there. And, um, you know, it just gives me fresh legs fresh mind, everything, and it's just, it's amazing. As Chloe says, fresh legs, a fresh mind, and everything. Dr. Karagiorgis has put these theories to the test, of course, applying hard scientific method to see if there's something we can actually measure here. Something more than a wall covered in trophies and medals. He wanted to find out exactly what difference the music is making. So, he wired up a bunch of athletes and he made them run until they could run no more. Now, what we wanted to do was essentially run these guys on a treadmill at steady state and then to exhaustion while using synchronous music. Now, this is music to which they consciously synchronize their stride rate. The bottom line is that under those laboratory conditions, on average, the music increased their endurance by about 15 to 18 percent. Quite considerable. In the lab, the results measure 15 to 18 percent better performance, just by adding a decent piece of disco music to athletes. That is a remarkable difference. Now, I'm actually quite skeptical 
of our own findings. I didn't expect such a big <laughs> ergogenic or work enhancing effect. And I would hazard a guess that given that we were working under very strict and sterile laboratory conditions, had we replicated the experiment in their normal training environment outdoors, the effect would have been far less pronounced. So sometimes when you work in a sterile environment, such as a, a gym or a health club, the music can be more potent than when you use it in the great outdoors where you have tremendous visual stimulation. So yes, the music was powerful with these athletes. When you do take them outdoors and you loosen the reins of experimental control, it's very, very difficult to tie down the effects of music. Well, it's good enough for me. I'll just keep on running with my headphones on. But to be honest, I'm not sure that Eye of the Tiger is ever going to make it onto my playlist. Which might also be the reason I never got picked for the school football team. But that, as they say, is another story. Before I sign off, here's Tyrone Smith once more, who likes a lot of music, just not country music. Uh, the only thing I can't listen to is country music. It just doesn't. It just doesn't hit home for me. So, um, you know, I've got to be able to relate a little bit. So when I'm done with sports, uh, you know, I, I actually won't have as much time because I, to listen to music now that I think about it. It's the first time I've actually thought about that because I listen to it every day when I'm warming up for training or when I'm cooling down or when I'm sitting in the cold tub or when I'm on the massage table. Uh, it's always there. Um, but when you're just working a job you know you wake up you in the morning maybe listen to some music get a coffee and then you're at work all day and it's not exactly easy to do your job and have headphones in i guess it depends on the job that you have right so <laughs> so i guess uh, i'll have to find new inventive ways to get my my daily music fix <laughs> and that's all for this edition of sound matters as I mentioned at the start, this is the first episode of a whole new series of shows. There's lots more to come in 2017. I'll be exploring everything from the sound of space to sounds from the bottom of the oceans. I'll be listening to sounds of the ancient world. It's everything from caveman tunes to the horns of Tutankhamun. I'll be getting into musical jam sessions with wild animals and hearing the secret sounds of... Well, well that would be telling, wouldn't it? My name is Tim Hinman. I wrote this and put it all together with the help of the excellent Andrea Rangecroft. A big thank you to the athletes, Tyrone Smith, Chloe Daggett and David Adley-Smith. We also heard the voices of US beach volley player Lauren Fendrick and Dutch rower Robert Lucan. It was Anton Graffenberg who interviewed all the athletes at the Olympics in Rio. Nathaniel Businski is the genius behind this project at B&O Play who make this project possible. You can find out a lot more about them on boplay.com. That's B-E-O-Play in one word, dot com. While you're there, try and read the journal which they put out, which contains a lot more sound stories and also some additional material, as well as a lot of very cool stuff you can listen to. So, that's enough from me. Don't forget to share this podcast and listen to it with someone you like. Sound. Sound. Music. Acoustic. Noise. Sound. I have a favorite sound, I think. Sounds. Ultrasonic. How they listen. Just a little boop. The one place where it sounds the best. You're listening to sound. Sound matters.